Thanks for checking out Chemistry Connections on the Hopewell Valley Student Podcasting Network, a proud partner of HVSPN.com, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions represented within this episode are those of the content creators only. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Chemistry Connections. My name is Brian Chin, and I'm your host for episode 15 called Chemistry of Poisonous Plants. My name is Ray Reardon, and I'm also your host for this episode. Today, we will be discussing various poisonous plants and the chemistry behind why they can be so dangerous. I want to start by talking about how this all came to be. So we're both chemistry experts on poisonous plants here, but what got you interested in researching this field, Ray? Uh, I was first introduced to it in my childhood uh, because my father got hit by poison ivy very frequently after yard work. He was constantly complaining about the itch and the fact that there is no immediate way to cure it. This really got me wondering why this was so and also how poison ivy even caused these reactions just by brushing up against the skin. And after that, I started researching other poisonous plants and the rest is history. That's so interesting. So how exactly does poison ivy cause these reactions? So Urushio is the chemical in poison ivy that actually causes the allergic reaction. Uh, it's a type of molecule known as a catechol which means that it has a ring of six carbon atoms with hydroxyl groups attached to two of them, and then a string of trailing hydrocarbons. When something brushes up against poison ivy and erythritol comes into contact with air as a result, it reacts with the O2 molecules in the air and becomes oxidized. Uh, the H atoms uh, on the hydroxyl groups are broken off, which means that an electron is lost and the oxidation number of the O atom uh, in the hydroxyl group increases from negative 2 to negative 1 to compensate, and this is just what the process of oxidation is. Oxidized erythritol with two double-bonded oxygens is then able to react with and stick to pr certain proteins of the skin. When reacted with a protein, erythritol acts uh, as a haptin, which means that it causes an immune system response by changing the shape of the protein and making it seem really foreign and dangerous to the body. This is what actually causes uh, the allergic reaction of rashes and blisters that poison ivy is so well known for. Interesting, interesting. I'm interested in your background as well, Brian. What got you into poisonous plants? Well, for me, it absolutely boggled my mind that some of these like tiny, seemingly harmless looking plants could do so much damage on human beings. Um, and then so after doing some research and finding out that these plants could even cause death, I knew that I wanted to research how this could be so. Mm. So it turns out that the water hemlock is actually one of the plants that causes death. Um, this plant has many unique nicknames. Some are beaver poison, devil's flower, and even break your mother's heart. So according to Christianity, the legend is that the water hemlock, uh, which is native to the Mediterranean region, became poisonous after uh, growing on the hill where Jesus was crucified. But, as we'll find out later, there's a more scientific explanation for why the water hemlock is so dangerous. On the outside, luckily, um, the water hemlock gives signs of its poisonous nature. For example, its stem is streaked with purple and red, and the leaves release an odor when crushed. So that's kind of the plant's way of saying that you shouldn't touch it. And this plant is perhaps most famous for killing the uh, philosopher Socrates after he drank hemlock tea. He supposedly felt a numbing sensation spread throughout his body right before he died. So how does the water hemlock connect to chemistry? Um, it connects to chemistry because of the molecule in its poison called uh, cicutoxin. So this molecule has a chemical formula of 
C17H2202. Because of its formula and the structure, um, cicutoxin qualifies as an alcohol because there are two hydroxyl groups, OHs, attached to cicutoxin's carbon atoms, and the entire thing qualifies as a uh, hydrocarbon chain. So chemically, when cicutoxin enters um, a patient's like bloodstream, neuronal depolarization is caused. So essentially, the inside of a neuron cell becomes less negative than the outside. And so too much of this depolarization causes these neuron cells to become overactive. And overactive cells is the reason why your nervous system can be damaged, why seizures can be induced when people ingest water hemlock. Um, and if these seizures aren't treated, they can even lead to swelling in the brain, muscle breakdown, and your blood becoming too acidic. Just some other symptoms of water hemlock to give an idea of how dangerous it is. Um, it can also cause nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and tremors. Yikes. All right, so let's talk a little bit about treatment. Turns out that chemistry is also used when um, identifying cicutoxin in a patient and treating it. So hospital labs actually use mass spectrums to see whether or not a patient's blood has uh, cicutoxin. So after the patient's blood is put in a mass spectrometer, a mass spectrum is produced. So mass spectrums, I won't go into too much detail, but they essentially show peaks. Um, each peak represents an atom or group of atoms. The specific atom or group of atoms can be identified using the mass, um, which shows up in the mass spectrum as well. And then the height of the peak essentially shows the um, how abundant the atom or atoms is in the substance. And so when put in a mass spectrum, any mass spectrum, cicutoxin always shows up the same way, kind of like a person's fingerprint. And so this basically allows doctors to easily identify cicutoxin, um, even if there are other substances in the patient's blood. Wow, to think that there's such great chemistry, not only behind the poison, but also behind an important part of treating it. Yeah, right? Oh, I think we have time for one more plant. Ooh, I'd love to talk about one of my other favorites. Uh, it's the stinging nettle. Uh, the nettle, which can grow up to seven feet tall, has stinging hairs known as trichromes on its green leaves, which can be as big as six inches, and stem. Uh, these trichromes inject harmful chemicals upon contact, uh, and because of its unique effects, the nettle has even impacted Western culture to a certain extent. Aesop had a fable called the boy and the nettle, and the English word nettled, which denotes someone who's irritated, is also derived from the properties of the stinging nettle. To cause pain, the stinging nettle mainly injects neurotransmitters such as histamine, acetylcholine, and serotonin. Neurotransmitters normally function as chemical messengers in the body by carrying chemical signals, but in this case they function as irritants and can cause a painful reaction. For example, histamine normally responds to allergies and causes inflammation in the affected area in order to allow the immune system to do its repair work. However, when injected unnecessarily, it results in unwanted inflammation and pain. The stinging nettle also injects a number of acids, including formic acid, tartaric acid, and oxalic acid. These are thought to either cause pain or extend the pain duration. Although it present in low concentrations in stinging nettles, uh, formic acid is also capable of causing a stinging sensation and is present in many other poisons such as ant venom. Uh, it has a chemical formula of HCOOH and it's an acid because it dissociates in water uh, to form hydronium atoms and its conjugate base HCOO-. It has an acid dissociation constant of 1.8 times 10 to the negative 4, which refers to the ratio between the products and reactants at equilibrium during its dissociation. With such a small dissociation constant, formic acid is a weak acid, meaning that very little of it dissociates in water. Wow, that's another cool plant with so much chemistry involved. Yeah, it just goes to show the power of mother nature and that there's always more to the world than it seems. I always have a lot of fun trying to figure out the science and mechanisms behind each poisonous plant. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that about wraps it up. Thank you for your time, Ray. Thank you so much for having me as well, Brian. It was a lot of fun. This was Chemistry Connections episode 15, Poisonous Plants. Thank you for listening and see you next time.